chapter 5, we'll start in verse 16. We're continuing the pastor's series on the fruit of the Spirit, and today is goodness. Uh, we're looking at goodness today, one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. What do you think of, or who do you think of, when you think of goodness? What do you think of? I asked a guy this week, and he said, you know what he said? Bacon. I'm like, all right. I can, I can deal with that. I can accept that as goodness. That's really the only way I eat vegetables, if they have bacon on top or they're wrapped in bacon. Have you noticed food that's not that good, but it's mediocre? They wrap it in bacon to make you buy it. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's true. Makes it just a whole other level of goodness, doesn't it? So I don't know if you're thinking of a person today, a person who exudes goodness. Goodness seems to flow out of them. Maybe you're thinking of bacon. I'm not really sure, but uh, how about if we look at the Word of God together and um, jump into this text again, very familiar text. Uh, we're a little over halfway through the various aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, and so we're going to speak to, again, sort of what's going on in this context, the greater context of Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 uh, on down through 25. So let's, let's go through this text together. Uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to the churches in Galatia. Of course, he's been addressing works salvation. He's been addressing works living. He's been addressing all kinds of, of uh, different motivations outside of the person of Jesus. Righteousness that comes through uh, clean living or even living according to the law in sort of a Judaistic way. He's like, guys, you, you, you missed it. He even calls the the Galatians, foolish Galatians at one point in this book, and says, you began with grace, but now you're trying to keep the power flowing, the fruit flowing, you're trying to keep the holiness flowing by your own efforts, and it's not going to work. So let's look at the text and see how it does work. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, the Apostle Paul, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and when you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Notice the acts of the flesh. They're plural. You might recall several weeks ago when we began this series, Pastor Jeff pointed out that the fruit of the Spirit is singular. Notice verse 19. The acts of the flesh are plural and they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sometimes in middle America, especially in Texas, where you're a good Texan, you're a good American, you might think you're going to heaven because of that. I know when sharing the gospel with folks over the, the 30 years or so that I've been involved in, in, in ministry in the local church, sometimes in talking to somebody, I pull out this text and say, you sort of see yourself in there, don't you? Because sometimes folks think because they're good or they're Texan or Republican or whatever, that they're automatically right with God, but according to the acts of the flesh, we're separated from God. Those who sin are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And that's all of us, but in sharing the gospel, sometimes 
We need to get folks to recognize that they're sinners, that they're separated from God, and they have no chance on their own merit of attaining the kingdom of God in this life or in the next. Notice our key text again, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, if you're taking notes, if you like to write in your Bible, I want you to underline a couple of things before we jump into uh, the outline that I've provided for you there. Uh, first of all, verse 16, underline walk by the Spirit. There's a phrase there right out of the box, walk by the Spirit. Now, not, all, not always do Greek words give us some kind of English uh, transliteration, but the word for walk here is peripeteo, and we get parapet out of that. If you think about a castle, you've got that outer wall. It, 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 sometimes you'll notice from movies, or maybe if you're into certain kinds of video games, down below that outer wall, there, there's a wall that's about this high to the average man, and then there's a path to walk around the perimeter of the castle, or of the fort, or of the fortress. That walking path there's, is, is called a parapet. Some big buildings have it, place a parapet that winds through even not just on the perimeter for guys with utilities and HVACs and electricians and those kind of skills to be able to get in there and work on, work on things on the roof of, of certain buildings. That's the word here. But I want you to get, first of all, walk by the Spirit. Verse 18. I want you to underline led by the Spirit. Verse 18. You probably already have in verse 22, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. And then also down in verse 25, we've got live by the Spirit as well as keep in step or step with the Spirit. Here's what we're pointing out to you this morning. It's this. <laughs> if you didn't catch it, there's no way for the fruit of the Spirit to flow through you and flow out of you without the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Would you agree with that? There's no way. There's no way. Without Him on your own efforts, you don't have any of those. Oh, you might have a little glimpse of them. If you came from a, a family where your parents and grandparents were very loving, you may be somewhat loving. If you come from some folks who are pretty well even keeled and mellow and, and, and laid back, you, you might have a sense of peace about you. But watch this. According to that verse in verse 22, the Holy Spirit, when He's working in us, He gives us all of these at the same time. That's why they're singular. That's why it's singular fruit of the Spirit, because it's all through Him or it's nothing on our own. So, before we get to goodness, I want to remind us within this context, I want to give you five truths or five reminders from a very familiar text. The first is this. The fruit of the Spirit is really the, are really the character traits of Jesus. I've got singular and plural there. I know if you're an English teacher, you're kind of going nuts, but... The Word of God has it, so just stay with me for a second. The character traits, the fruit of the Spirit is the character traits of Jesus. Now earlier, if you didn't think of bacon, but you thought of someone, you probably, if you were to think about that person in detail or journal about that person, if you didn't think of Jesus, you, you would think of these character traits, right? Think about the best person that you've ever known in your life. Think about the person who had the most goodness flowing through him or her 
in your interactions with that person. You got that person? Don't close your eyes because many of you are still a little too sleepy as it is, okay? But just think. You can look at the ceiling. That's better. You got that person in mind? Now think about their character traits. <laughs> Were they similar to the character traits of Jesus? They probably are, aren't they? You're probably thinking of a person who was very loving and, and peaceful and joyful and, and in control of their emotions. And, and, and probably for most of us in this room, maybe not all of us, it was a believer who had a supernatural element to those character traits that caused us to think of them in goodness. Now then, watch this. This doesn't make sense to me completely. If we had time, we could chase the impossible possibility. So here's the impossible possibility. Jesus, who perfectly did love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all of that. Jesus, who did those perfectly, in the presence of his Holy Spirit in me, he can do those perfectly in my life? And the answer to me is that impossible possibility. Yes, he can, but only when I'm walking with the Spirit, when I'm in step with the Spirit, when I'm living by the Spirit, those are the only times that there's a chance of the character traits of Jesus to flow through of me, sing, throw, flow through me singularly and all together at the same time. It's the only way. And here's what's significant about the word peripateo that we began with in Galatians 5.16. He said to walk by the Spirit. Now listen, here's the grammar behind the word peripateo. It's present, passive, imperative. Now watch this. The impossible possibility is I can't possibly have the character traits of Jesus flowing through me the way they did through him. I can't possibly have that happen. No, but watch this. In a present sense, present tense, I'm actively walking in the Spirit, but passively, I can't do these character traits myself. I don't have enough willpower. I didn't come from enough goodness in my family, although I would testify I came from a good family, but not enough. And so I actively put myself in this walking in the Spirit in a position for the character traits of Jesus, watch this, through the presence of His Holy Spirit to come out of my life. That's the only way I get there. And you say, well, what's the impossible possibility part? Every time I walk in that manner, I realize that on my best day, I can't do it. Only when He's operating through me, only when the fruit of the Spirit is flowing in the power of the Spirit through me, do I have a chance at the character traits of Jesus to come alive in my life? It's a singular flowing of all of the plural fruit all at once, and they are not manifested in isolation to each other. Think about Jesus. Did he have to stop, you know, being loving so he could have joy? Did he have to stop? No, they, they, just, they just ooze out of who he is as we see it unfold in Scripture. Go to Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 18. Matthew 7, 16 to 18. I don't hear very many pages turning. Must be lots of iPads out there. I was going to bring my Bible up here because I grew up preaching, you know, with the flap that Bible out there. Go to Matthew chapter 7. You can't, you can't do that with an iPad. It just doesn't... See? 
the magnet comes apart. Matthew chapter 7, 16 to 18, Jesus said, let's go to 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. What's the point? (laughs) It's number two. It's the second truth. The words of Jesus led us to number two. It's this. The fruit of the Spirit is the outward indicator of salvation. If I'm bearing bad fruit, something's going on in here, right? If, I'm, if, if I say that I'm one of God's children, I say that I'm walking by the Spirit, that I'm living in the Spirit, that I'm keeping step with the Spirit, and what's coming out on my branches, the fruit of my life is anything but the character of Jesus, there's a problem in here. Now, the problem could be that that impossible possibility is still unfolding in front of me. But watch this. We ought not to miss an opportunity for a red flag in Scripture to say the reason that your fruit continues to be bad is you've never accepted the Lord Jesus and been converted. See, watch this. A lot of people who go to church get confused between conviction of sin and conversion to eternal life. I feel guilty for my sin. Somebody delivers a great worship opportunity and the music draws me in emotionally. Somebody brings the word and I go, man, I'm guilty. I'm sorry for my sin. But I come down front or I pray where I am and I pray, Lord, take away the guilt of my sin. I don't like feeling guilty. And the Lord says, take up your cross and follow me. And you go, oh, no, I'm not sure if I'm ready to do that yet. You see, there's a difference between conviction and conversion. Conviction can make you feel bad. Watch this. Conversion, conversion changes you from death to life. It changes you from a person who's separated from God to someone who is a child of God. And the fruit of the Spirit is the outward indicator of salvation. Now, if you don't get anything else today, get this. You ready? Holy living does not come from our performance for God, but from His performance through us by His own Spirit. That's really good stuff, and I didn't hear a single amen. Holy living does not come from our performance for God, but from His performance through us by His own Spirit. Amen? That's the only way. But once that happens... Once we embrace him in saving faith, once we recognize that it's not us, it is not us by willpower trying to produce these positive character traits, once we understand that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can do it, in fact, he's so much the only one that can do it, I passively put myself in a position where he can flow through me. And he's doing the action. But watch this. There's a partnership there. Let's go back to Walt. Present, passive, imperative. Present, keep on doing it. Passive, I can't really do it, only the Holy Spirit can. Paul's command to you all, Galatians, 
keep on walking in the Spirit. I've got a partnership with the role and power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I've got to get off the couch of complacency. Watch this. We talk about this a lot in our men's ministry through Daryl's teaching. We put on the full armor of God and we engage, engage, engage. Amen? It's not me sitting on the couch expecting God to do some supernatural thing. It's me getting up and walking in and participating in, participating in the fruit of His Spirit. Well, I think we got that. I got a little red face. It feels good. You should get a little red face when you're preaching, right? Get a little fired up. Shake up the crowd. Make them feel guilty. Get at least one amen for the morning. We did that. Let's move to goodness. Specifically today, the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Goodness. I love this definition. Goodness is moral and spiritual excellence that is known by its sweetness and active kindness. Now, what if you're a big, tough, special forces, you know how to blow stuff up and kill people with your pinky and all that kind of stuff? Can you have the fruit of the Spirit and it's this aspect of goodness? Can you have moral and spiritual excellence that is known by sweetness and active kindness? You think about the person you thought of a while ago. Again, not bacon. The person you thought of a while ago that represented goodness in your life, I bet you they were morally and spiritually excellent, weren't they? I bet you there was a sweetness and a kindness even when you didn't deserve it. Listen, my mama could bring the kindness in the form of a paddle in her right hand. She, uh, there's an amen. Finally got another one. Just the wrong time. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Good one. Hey, <laughs> The Bible says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. That's what he prefers. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we were, doesn't he? He'll do what he has to do to to get our attention and bring us uh, along his road. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Listen, I I went to my three favorite commentators this week, and they had a paragraph each. The reason we're diving into this other stuff, a week before last, I said, Pastor Jeff, if I'm preaching on goodness and continuing your series... It's going to be like two minutes because my favorite commentators have a paragraph each on goodness. But here's the definition from one of them. Goodness, moral, and spiritual excellence that is known by its sweetness and active kindness. If that's not Jesus, what else is? Amen. Him flowing through us, regardless of the way we were raised, regardless of how gentle we may naturally be, regardless of how patient we may naturally be, regardless of how kind and loving and all of that, in the hands of of God through the power of His Holy Spirit, we can have a goodness that comes out in us that is morally and spiritually excellent. That when people think of us down the road, in the hands of the Holy Spirit, they can think of somebody who was good to them. But for most of us, it's only when the Holy Spirit's operating through us. So the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Number four. We've already, we've already looked at this, but I want to be real specific with us today. Go to Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 9. I want to be very specific with reminder number 4, with truth number 4. Romans 8 and 9. Look at this second part of verse 9. Second full sentence in the NIV text anyway. Verse 9, part B there. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... 
they do not belong to Christ. Here's the truth. The truth is simply this. The power of salvation is entirely in Jesus. The power of salvation is entirely in Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved except Jesus. Jesus said himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's very clear. The power of salvation is entirely in Jesus, period. It's not in being good. It's not in trying. It's not in being baptized. It's not in doing anything. It is in the person of Jesus. The power of salvation is entirely in him. Look, look at the first part of verse 9 in Romans 8. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Listen, the power of salvation is entirely in Jesus, but number five is this. The power for Christian living is entirely from the Holy Spirit. He is the person in the Trinity of God. The Holy Spirit is the person who indwells you, and that you, when you are filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit and stay fellowship, you know, plugged in and fellowship to God through the Spirit, that's when the character traits of Jesus can flow through me and can flow through you. Without Him, there's no power source for living. It all becomes intellectual. And let's face it, intellectual truths can give you a little juice, but the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity who is God, when he's indwelt in us, he can do some things in that impossible possibility that we're never going to do combining our best days as a human being on the face of this earth. You will, watch this, you will not have power and energy for living the Christian life unless the Spirit of God, you understand and walk in who he is as the power for Christian living. It is entirely in the Holy Spirit. Say, Carter, you're splitting hairs here. One God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yes, I am. But Scripture teaches it this way. Jesus said, I've, guys, I've got to go to heaven because if I don't go, and until I go, I can't send the other counselor who's exactly like me, the advocate. I've got to go to heaven, and I will send him. And he won't just walk with you together as a group. He will walk in you as my children and accomplish in you, among other things, the character traits of Jesus. So how do you do it? How do you get there? You don't have this specifically, but write these down. Because I know you're all just feverishly taking down notes. You know, it takes about 10 hours. I'm going to apply a little guilt for the pastor. Not for me today. It takes about 10 hours for a good Sunday morning message. So when Pastor Jeff is here, well, he's not preaching next Sunday. We have a guest speaker for Father's Day. Next time pastor's in the pulpit, Let's make sure everybody's got their heads and pens and Bibles. What if he looked out there and saw the tops of everybody's heads taking notes on those 10 hours he's put in for that week? might freak him out at first, so just remember that. Keep that in your back pocket. He might be like, what's going on? You need to take notes. Here you go. How do you do it? How do you get the character traits of Jesus flowing through you? If you're a Christian, number one, large chunks of Scripture in your life. Large chunks of Scripture in your life. If you buy a brand new Corvette and you don't put any fuel in the tank and you're 45 years old, 50 years old, and you're sitting behind the wheel making noises, maybe you're shifting gears. You're shifting gears. But you're not going anywhere. 
You look a little foolish, don't you? Without the Word of God in our lives, we're not giving the Holy Spirit any fuel to fire up that gas pedal and put that right leaded foot down on the floor and take that baby for a spin. Large chunks of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3 is clear that all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable. Is profitable. The psalmist wrote in 119, I've hidden his word in my heart that I, I, I might not sin against you, God. Second is this. We're almost done. How do you do it? How do you get the character traits of Jesus flowing through you? Number two, submit yourself as a living sacrifice. I'm just telling you what I do. I'm just telling you what I do. Second step I take is submit myself as a living sacrifice. I get into the Word of God, and then I just open myself up, sitting in my chair at home at my desk or in my office at the church. God, your Word is in me. I've praised you. I've worshiped you. And I submit to you as a living sacrifice. I want to be acceptable. I want to be pleasing to you. Romans 12, 2, I want you to be a demonstration through me of what your will is. God, I just submit myself to you as a living sacrifice. Third step is this. Third step is this. Just ask. Ask. God, Father God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit today. You see, it's not you doing it. It's you continuing to put yourself in a place where the Holy Spirit can fill you. And I just ask. In Luke 11, the Lord Jesus said, if we as daddies know how to take care of our kids, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And the answer is, infinitely greater. Ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and He'll do it. Keep on putting yourself in a position. You say, what if I start my day that way and I get to work, and man, everybody's just already button heads. Yeah, you may have to, you may have to step away as often as you can and just get tied back into the power source. And then number four is this. We already mentioned it. Just put on the full armor of God and engage. Get full of His Spirit and put on the full armor of God and engage. Engage. You say, will that make it happen? Will that be perfect? No. Let's go back to EY, Dr. E.Y. Mullins and the, the um, impossible possibility. <laughs> it's never going to happen once and for all perfect. It's going to take... It's going to take some walking in the Spirit continue to, so that you continue to keep in step with the Spirit. But watch this. The more Word of God you get in your heart and your mind, the more you walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit and live by the Spirit, the more you are filled by His Spirit. The more you keep putting yourself in a position for the God of the universe to work through you, that impossible possibility will become more and more true in your life every day until He calls you home. Listen, I don't know any other way to live, do you? The Galatians tried some other ways, and Paul said it doesn't work. I think we've tried our own ways enough in our lives, and we know it doesn't work without God's power source through his Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, today, we want the character traits of Jesus to flow through us in such a way that our lives are changed. God, we, we want people to see Jesus in us. We want people to consider us good when they think about who you are, God. Father, we want to be walking in your spirit. We want to be living by your spirit. We want to be keeping in step with your spirit. And God, we know when that happens, you'll get the glory. And out of that glory, you'll bless us and our marriages and our kids and our homes and our jobs and our church and your kingdom. 
God, remind us today not to take for granted the things of God in our lives, the opportunity to worship, the opportunity to study, the opportunities to learn from men and women of God who teach in our church and from our pastors. He exhorts and calls us to commitment in the Word every week. God, help us not to take for granted the character of Jesus flowing through us in the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we love you. We know that on our own we are foolish Galatians. We're helpless. We're no better than anybody else. But as people who are putting themselves in a position to be filled by the Holy Spirit, we can be different. We can be changed. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. I want to invite you to stand to your feet.